good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you for being here. It's been a wonderful time of worship that we've been able to spend together. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 16 here in just a moment. We're going to read a passage there that I believe goes hand in hand in a lot of ways with what was just read for us from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. What I want us to think about over the next few minutes as we study together is the relationship between simplicity and wisdom that God intends to reside within his people. Oftentimes it's easy to think about those two things on opposite ends of the spectrum. There is the simple over here, and there's the wise over here. And we want to be in this category. We want to be we want to be wise, and the simple, that's for the simple-minded, that's for those who, who don't understand. And what I want us to consider this morning is that that's not at all the way that God intends for a Christian to be. We are to be people of simplicity as well as people of wisdom. And Paul talks about that in the passage that was just read for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And he does so again in a slightly different way in Romans chapter 16. Chapter 16 of Romans is Paul's conclusion to this beautiful letter that he has written to the Christians in Rome. And as he begins to wrap things up, listen to what he says beginning in verse number 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. You see the the, the similar idea that Paul is presenting both in our reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and in what he has to say to the Christians in Rome as he concludes this letter? That simplicity must be joined with wisdom within a Christian. We are to be wise as it pertains to things that are good, but there is also to be an aspect of us that is very simple. When it comes to things that are evil, we are to be simple in those matters. And as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12, even he, as he went to teach and preach the gospel, he wasn't doing so in a complex way. He wasn't doing so in a way that only the elite could understand. He was doing so simply, not with the wisdom of the world. And so how as Christians do we, do we marry those two things, those two ideas in our lives and live lives that our Christians are, as I've got on the screen behind me, simply wise? How, how do we bring those two ideas together in our lives as Christians so that we can be both wise in the way that God intends for us to be and simple? in the way that God intends for us to be. There's a few things that I want you to consider this morning. I've got some of the passages that we're going to reference on the screen behind me. But there's a couple things that I want you to consider. And the first is on the idea of wisdom. 
that we are called to be wise. In fact, if you turn over to the passage that I have listed there on the screen in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 7, the proverb writer will say this in regards to wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. There is a directive that God gives us to go out and get wisdom. It is the principal thing. It is something that we should be invested in. We should be seeking after wisdom. You see, wisdom in the way that God describes it and the wisdom that God wants us to attain, it isn't something that just comes with age. It's something that we have to go after. It's something that we have to get. And the important thing, as Paul noted there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, is that there is a very distinct difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom that God wants us to embrace. What does Paul point to in Romans chapter 16? You be wise as it pertains to things that are good. He's not interested in the worldly wisdom. He he, he doesn't care about all of that. He wants us to be focused on getting wisdom in the things that are good, in the things that are godly. We have to be dedicated to learning and to learn discernment through God's word. That comes from time spent in prayer, time spent in meditation and thinking about the things of God. Listen to what Paul says again in Romans, this time in Romans chapter 12. He's going to caution the Christians there in Rome as it pertains to this wisdom. He begins verse 16 of Romans chapter 12 by saying, be of the same mind toward one another. Now listen, see if you see the wisdom and simplicity. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. You see, God wants us to seek after the wisdom of good. The wisdom that is found within his word. The wisdom that is gained through a deep, meaningful, intimate relationship with God. That's the wisdom that he wants us to seek after. When it comes to things of this world, we need to set that aside. Seek after the wisdom of God. That wisdom is one that leads us to a life of humility and simplicity. See the connection that's being made here as Paul writes these things? There are a lot of people in this world who have a great deal of worldly wisdom. And that worldly wisdom often leads to feelings of self-sufficiency. That worldly wisdom often leads to pride. Worldly wisdom often leads someone to think that they have no need for God. But godly wisdom, getting that, seeking after godly wisdom, that promotes humility. That promotes simplicity. That promotes a life that isn't concerned with all of the complex things that the world around us creates. And so it's important for us as Christians to grow in that wisdom, to get it, to seek after it, to long for it, and to grow in the ways that God wants us to. We also have to be careful that we don't ever fear a life of simplicity. 
Again, as I stated at the outset, oftentimes the idea of simplicity comes with a very negative connotation. In fact, we live in a world where if I can say something in a hundred words, why would I bother saying the same thing in ten? The more words I say and the bigger words that I can use, the smarter the people are going to think that I am, and I'm going to be more accepted and praised for my knowledge and my deep understanding of things. As a culture, we fear simplicity because it's looked down upon. It's frowned upon in our culture and our society. But as Christians, we have to be the kind of people who will not fear that simplicity. As Paul states in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as he writes to the Christians in Corinth, listen to what he says in verse number 1. Paul being a man who embraced simplicity. But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad? But the one who is made sorrowful by me. That is the wrong verse. That was 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm sure we could connect that somehow, but I'm not going to try. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and we'll read the right verse. And I therefore, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See the simplicity of Paul in that verse? Paul was an educated man. Paul had studied at the feet of some of the most highly educated of the Jews. What does he say? I'm not coming to you with flattering speech. I'm not here to try and impress you. I'm not here to try and impress you with my knowledge of the law and my educational background. I know Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I'm going to teach. Because Paul embraced simplicity. He wasn't afraid of living a simple life as it pertains to the things of God. I think sometimes, and we can reference back to Romans chapter 16, what we read just a moment ago in verses 17 and 18 to illustrate this. When we see people who are intent on promoting themselves through the eloquence of their speech and their education and all that they can say, Paul warns against those people. You better watch out for people like that. They oftentimes have bad intentions behind what they're saying. I think in practical application for us today, if you're engaged with someone under over biblical topics, religious principles, and they're having to do Bible gymnastics to try and make their point, nine times out of ten, that should be a red flag to us. Because that's someone who is seeking to complicate what God has made simple. We can't be people who take the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of right and wrong, the simplicity of what God has given to us, and contort it, pervert it, change it, maneuver around it so that we can make a point. Don't complicate what God has made simple. We read a passage this morning in our Bible classes. We were studying Psalm 119, 
that highlights this point. In verse 130 of Psalm 119, it says, The entrance of your words give understanding for the simple. God's words give understanding to the simple. See, God gave us his word in a simplistic manner so that we could understand it. But the challenge is that we live in a world that has overcomplicated, oftentimes intentionally so, what God made simple. Let me give you a few examples. We've got a lot of students here this morning, middle school, high school, college, elementary, whatever it may be. You all live in a world that is trying to complicate things that God has made simple. When you look around the world, as Kevin was talking about just a moment ago in his welcome, and you see the complex and overwhelming beauty, it screams for a creator. It is that simple. Don't let anyone overcomplicate that for you. When you think about the family unit that God created and God established, it was intended to be a husband and a wife who bring about children and flourish in the love of God. It started that way from the very beginning. Don't let anyone complicate what God has made simple. We even live in a world today in which gender is being complicated. God created man and God created woman. It is that simple. Don't let the world complicate that. You remain firm in the simplicity that God intended us to live in. The same could be said for parents. There are book after book after book that you can find about the right way to parent and the best way to discipline and all of the good practices that every parent under the sun has come about and written a book about. And there are some good things contained within some of those books. There are. But none better than what's contained in the book. Let that be your guide, parents. Don't overcomplicate things. Parenting's hard, don't get me wrong. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But let's not make it more complicated than it already is. Let's allow God to give us his guidelines for us as parents when it comes to training our children and to disciplining them. As Bible class teachers, as preachers, we have to be wise. We have to be simple. We shouldn't seek the admiration of others because of the fancy words that we use or that we're able to tell them something that they'd never thought of before. If you sense that in a preacher, if you sense that in a teacher, turn around and run as fast as you can. Preachers, teachers, we have a responsibility to be wise, to dedicate ourselves to God's word, to be immersed in it, but to present it simply. Present it in the way that God intended for it to be presented. To teach it so that everyone can understand it. Again, looking back in Romans chapter 16, Paul warned 
the Romans, as he was concluding this book, you watch out for the people that seek to lead the simple astray. Those are the ones who are dangerous. Those are the ones who are out for their own good. You be careful with those people. We have to embrace wisdom as Christians, and we have to embrace simplicity as Christians. I want you to look at your Bibles for just a second. You can close them if you want. If you've got a, a paper Bible like mine, just, just close it for a second and look at it. It's a big book. I, I don't know how many pages are in. It's over a thousand. It's a big book. It's the, it's the biggest book I've ever read, I can tell you that much. I'm not, I'm not a prolific reader. I've never read a book bigger than this. It's, it's a big book. But I want you to think of for just a second about what's contained in this book. God tells us the story of all things coming into existence. He tells us about the fall of man as they rebelled against their creator. He tells us about the redemptive plan that was put in motion that led to his son leaving heaven and taking on physical form and living among man and dying on the cross for the forgiveness of the sins for all that have ever lived and the grace that was brought into this world as a result of that. It tells us about eternity and the promise that God has made to bring his children to live with him for all time in one book. Bella is reading some of the Harry Potter books right now. It took J.K. Rowling seven books to tell the story of a boy wizard. God told us all of that in a way that we can understand in one book. Don't overcomplicate what God has made simple. He has given us everything that we need, even in the method of its delivery, to show us that his word is something that all of us can grab hold of. That through it we can find the wisdom, the godly wisdom that he desires for all mankind to have. And we can find it simply. And we can live simply understanding that our Creator has provided to us all that we need, and He has given us a mind that is able to understand. We don't need anything more than that. Thinking about these two ideas residing together within the life of a Christian is very comforting for me. I don't have a lot of letters behind my name. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the smartest guy in this room. I need things simple. And recognizing that, that the, my God who created me knew that, recognized that, and, and structured his word in such a way that all of us are able to recognize it, read it, understand it, hold it in our hands, obey it. That is so comforting to me. 
And it's so comforting to me that, to know that, that through a study of his word and through time spent with him, I can gain and acquire all of the wisdom that he wants and needs me to have in this life. It's such a comforting thought for me. And I hope it's a comforting thought for you as well. But as with most comforting thoughts that God presents to us, there's also a challenge behind it. Because remember that passage in Proverbs that we read, we have to get wisdom. We have, we have to work at it. We have, to, we have to put the time and the energy into a deep study and meditation on God's word and building and creating that relationship with him that he wants. We have to get wisdom. And we have to battle the temptation to live a complex life. We have to battle the society around us that is going to scream at us that we need to be complicated. We need to seek to understand complicated things. Our lives should be complicated. That's just the way it is. And not only that, but that's the American way. We have to battle that. We have to seek a life of simplicity, a life of humility, and recognize the marriage that can be created in our lives of godly wisdom and simplicity. As we conclude this morning and extend an invitation, I want all of us to consider how we have interacted with godly wisdom and with simplicity. And I want to challenge each of us to consider ways in which we can live a more simple life calling right, right, and wrong, wrong, being engaged in God's word, and keeping life in the framework that God intended for it to be. But I want to say something just specifically to perhaps those here who haven't become a Christian and given their lives to Christ. When you think about the idea of salvation, it's a big idea. It's a big concept. And if we allow it to, it can become a very complicated one. But I want to restrain us in that way this morning. I want to caution us in that this morning. Because it is big, and it is life-changing. But it is simple. Jesus Christ died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice, a fulfillment of God's plan for mankind so that you could have your sins forgiven in baptism. If you believe that, and if you know, and if you know what sin has done in your life, if you understand sin, and you understand the fact that that sin has separated you from God, and you are no longer in relationship with Him the way that He created you to be, if you understand that big yet simple concept, then it's time. It's time to give your life to Christ in baptism and to accept the grace that He has brought to this world and extended to you so that you could have your sins forgiven. To put your full faith in Him as you are immersed in water and raised up a new creature. Maybe it is that you've done that in the past. 
But maybe as you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking about the relationship of wisdom and simplicity in your own life, maybe you in a moment of self-reflection realize that you have overcomplicated things in your life, that you have done some of those biblical gymnastics to justify some of the decisions and actions that you have done in your life. I want to ask you this morning to simplify things. I want you to recognize sin in your life if it's there. I want you to realize that God is pleading with you. He is is long-suffering. He is being patient with you as he waits for you to turn back to him. He is ready and willing to forgive those sins, to wipe that board clean so that you can be justified before him. He wants nothing more than to do that for all of us. He wants nothing more than to have the relationship with us that he created us to have. And so he waits. And he's patient. But that time will come to an end, and we'll all stand before him in Judgment Day. And I hope all of us can stand before him, having lived a life of wisdom and godliness and a life of simplicity as we simply seek to follow him. If you're here this morning and you need the prayers or the help of the congregation, Anyway, please come to the front and let us know how as we stand and sing.